bittersweet weekend. I'm looking around the room at uh, a lot of people who were with us four years ago when we, over four years ago when we launched in a house. Uh, we've been in this facility for three, over three years which is crazy to think. When we moved into this building, it looked nothing like it does right now. There was a wall down the middle. We weren't renting out that space over here because this was enough. Um, and now we're bursting at the seams and God is moving us. And it's really exciting, but it's also bittersweet. And so um, God put a, a word on my heart today uh, that really kind of encapsulates the emotions that I'm feeling and what I feel like God's doing in us what I feel like he wants to speak to you individually and, uh, and how he wants to move us forward in the same way that he moved his church forward 2,000 years ago. So without further ado, Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And we're going to start reading. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, everyone say, heard the sound. A crowd came together in bewilderment. You don't always know when you're a part of a life-changing moment. When you look back, you realize, wow, that season or that thing that happened to me was, was transformative. It was, it was pivotal for me. But when you're in the middle of it, you don't always know. Heart Church started uh, when I was 15 years old. I didn't know it at the time, but I was headed up to a spring break retreat with my youth group. Now, realize that... Um, I was not your star Christian churchgoer in a youth group. Now, my parents are amazing. They're here today, and they'll be first, the first to say that uh, they did their very best to lead and guide little Shaner uh, along the, the, the straight and narrow. But, uh, but I didn't always respond, and I liked being cool. I liked being popular. I didn't know how to... Uh, crucify the flesh just yet. And so um, I made some bad decisions all throughout high school. Well, at the same time, God did some cool stuff in my life. Isn't it funny how it can almost be both sometimes as you're trying to find your way? And I was going up to this uh, winter retreat in the first night down at the altar, 15 years old, and God, God met me. And um, it was undeniable. Uh, he spoke to me, not audibly, but it was undeniable that he called me to ministry that day. And I was, I was sitting down at the altar. It was after the service had gone. There was somebody playing guitar. There was a few other students kind of lingering in the presence of God. And I didn't even know what was happening. I didn't have words for it. All I knew is that God not only was real to me, but I felt like he was calling me to service. Now, mind you, while this was happening, I was internally going, me? Are you sure, God? Are you, are you sure? Because I'm the kid that just a few hours ago on the way up to camp was in the back of the van making out with a girl in youth group. Like I said, not always on the straight and narrow. Me? Are you sure? How many know that God can use 
anybody. That's where Heart Church was born. And then, years later, I got a call to be a youth pastor in San Antonio. Didn't know that this was going to be an epic moment, but when my youth pastor came to me and said, hey, you've been on my heart, and, and the reason why you're on my heart is because I was talking to my father-in-law in San Antonio. He needs a youth pastor. I lived in Washington at the time. And he said, uh, you've been on my heart when he asked about a youth pastor. I was 22 at the time. Never been a youth pastor before. And he said, I think you should consider it. A couple months later, I found myself living in San Antonio. A year later, I met my wife. Boom! Nine years ago, I was in the middle of a transition in my life. I thought I was going to be out of ministry forever. Our life had kind of crashed and burned, and our family wasn't doing well. And we were on our way back up to, to move to the Northwest. We lived in Sacramento at the time. Didn't know this was going to be a really epic moment in my life. A month, a, a one week before we moved back to, the, to Washington, we already had the moving truck booked. Already had a place to stay, already enrolled our kids in kindergarten in a private school in Washington, and God interrupted our plans and through a series of events said, you're not moving to the Northwest, you're moving to Escondido. We moved to Escondido thinking, we're going to be here for a year, probably never in ministry. I had a sales job at the time. And the day we landed in Escondido, Heather had never been here, never been to Escondido. We came off the freeway, came down right at the corner of Country Club where all those eucalyptus trees are, and we're sitting at the stoplight, tail between our legs, crash landed in, well, by the way, Escondido is called um, Hidden Valley or Place of Hiding. Yeah, that's where God moved us. Place of hiding. At that crossroads, sitting in that car, Heather, um, God tells Heather almost audibly, you're home. You're home. Two years later, we bought a house on that street. Three years later, we plant a church in Escondido. You never know what the epic moments are all you, can, all you can do is say, God, I'm going to be fully present. I'm going to be fully engaged. And I'm going to respond to you because maybe God, just maybe you're doing something amazing in my life, in our church that could be pivotal and change the trajectory of our life. And maybe a trip to Israel could be that as well. Yeah. Come on. The truth is... Um, Four years ago, we planted this church, and one by one, God started adding people to this church. And the story of Heart Church isn't me. The story of Heart Church is you. One by one, I mean, look around. I pinch myself all the time, like, really? Because you never know who God's going to bring to the church, right? Like, we open the doors. We post it on social media, and we say, hey, why don't you all come, you know? And you just kind of, like, hope that the group of people that God brings works. And the jury's still out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, 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 right, Philip? Like, Look around. This is an incredible group of people. And so I just want to pause for a minute and recognize that, A, this is, this is not a performance. Like, we're going to the Center for the Arts, but we're not there to perform. Like, we're a community. We, we did this in a house. We did it in a school. We're doing it in an awkward office building where you 
you know, feel like you got lost when you arrive, but then you get here and it's like, wow, this is cool, right? We can do it anywhere. We did it outside in the parking lot. We can do it at a park because we're a community. We're a family um, focusing on Jesus and exalting him in our life. And in that, every individual is unique and special. And I just want to pause for a minute and recognize somebody that doesn't know I'm going to do this. But um, you have to realize that the beginning of this year was, was uh, the hardest year of our life because we got noticed that we had to be out of this building. And since then, uh, it's, been, it's been an incredible faith journey. And there's been one person that's really carried this whole thing on their back. Uh, and so I want to recognize this person, and that's Derek Parker. And I actually have, uh, I've never done this before, and shoot, it may be the last one. So if so, this is going to be worth some money. But um, I have uh, uh, an award that I want to give. Uh, because it's worthy and I wish I could do more uh, because this church wouldn't be what it is without Derek. Uh, if you watch the, the clips, I mean, the guy's like in every photo. I had to like strategically find photos he's not in because he just like volunteers for everything, you know. Um, whatever you need, he's there. So uh, 2022, volunteer of the year. We read a passage about a group of guys. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you know that this is the beginning of the church and the Holy Spirit fell and Peter preached this sermon and 3,000 people got saved. And it's kind of a big deal, but I think that sometimes we miss the humanity in it all. Because the reality is there was 120 people uh, in this upper room that we actually were just at in Israel. It's really profound. And there was 120 people there I don't know how many people we have today. Somebody give me the count. Please tell me it's exactly 120 adults. That would be amazing. Anyway, 120 exactly. Thank you. Um, but uh, this is our, our, last, our last day in the upper room. And uh, I, I was drawn to this text because of that, because there's no, there's no evidence that this group ever spent any more time in that upper room. They were there for a season of time, about 40 days. And um, there was a lot of things that were happening in that room, in this group of people um, and then, and then God showed up in a powerful way and, and something was poured out on the city that was undeniable. Um, and so I, I want to I highlight these three things because I think that they're relevant for us today. The first thing is this, they were all with one accord. In this special moment that they didn't realize, they didn't realize how significant it was. They just knew they were being obedient to the Lord. God said, go up to the upper room because I'm going to do something really cool. And all, all of a sudden something took place. But in order for it to happen, they... They, they stepped into something, and that was that they were all with one accord. And I think that, first of all, it's a lot of people in a Honda. I don't know if you've ever been in a Honda, but it's not very big. Okay. I'll be here all week. I think that sometimes we think, we, we look at that and we go, 
oh yeah, like that's, that's, that's all about unity and we all have to be like together and we all have to get along, we have to like one another and we all have to be friends and high five one another and that's like unity. And I just want to say that like that's not what this is talking about. I mean, in a perfect world, that'd be amazing, but that's impossible if you have more than three people in the room. So um, the reality is God is going to build his church with all kinds of different people. And we celebrate different. Unity is not, hey, you have to look like us and think like us and act like us and dress like us, and then we'll be unified. So let's, let's get, that's called religion. That's called uniformity. It's like, hey, here's all the rules. Here's all the expectations. Check the boxes because we need to be unified, people. And I just want to say that's not what we're doing here. We... And we focus on Jesus Christ and him crucified. And like, there's so many things we could debate about. And to be honest with you, I don't know. When's Jesus coming back? Is it before or after the tribulation? Or is it somewhere in the middle? Hey, Shane, explain the Trinity. I don't know. Jesus Christ, him crucified. Powerful resurrection. That's the power of the gospel. And, and, and we as believers, we lean in to a few big things. And so what I want to say about they were all unified is that they were all tapping into a heavenly perspective. And this, I'll tell you what, is so relevant to you personally. Because it's never been easier for the world to hijack your perspective. Never been easier. On a day-to-day basis, we fight with this idea that there is a heavenly perspective and then there's my perspective. And then there's the world's perspective. And God wants to elevate us and that's how we're unified. We're not unified because like, hey, I I really need you to come on my side of thinking. No, I need us and us to tap into his way of thinking. God, what are you doing here? What are you doing? Well, right now, he's leading us to the center for the arts. I don't know why. I just know that that's what he's doing. Like when I tap into God, what are you doing? That's it. And so we come in line with that. This was about a group of people choosing to align themselves with the kingdom perspective. I love this verse, Colossians chapter three, verse one. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor. Let heaven fill your thoughts. I think it's interesting that the Bible doesn't say, uh, I think it's interesting that the Bible says, renew your mind. He doesn't say, guard your mind. He says, guard your heart. But as it relates to your thoughts, he says, renew it. Why? Because you wake up and it's jacked. Like, you don't need to guard that. You're guarding the wrong thing. You need to renew it. Because we're fallen, right? Like we watch the news and we do social media and we talk to friends and we, right, we, we do stuff and then our mind's just like out of place. It's, it's a little wonky. Now listen, like brushing your teeth. It's a great idea to do it every day, right? If you wait a year, you're going to be in a really different place than you were going one day without it. And it's the same thing with renewing your mind. Like if you do it every day, it's a small tweak. 
It's just like, come on, let's, let's tune that up a little bit. But if you go and you're just like, no, I'm good. I'm good, my way of thinking, and like I'm, I got some good friends and some good wisdom, and I got some my, the sites I go to online, right, that gives me the real news, and I really know what's going on, and you just kind of do that, I promise you, you're going to drift, and then you're going to be like, dude, how come I feel so far from God? Where's that? How come I feel so anxious all the time? And how come, like, I don't know, I just don't feel the same about my church community, and like, I don't know, I pick up the Bible, and I don't, have you ever met somebody like that? You're like, well, some me sometimes. God is inviting you into this incredible heavenly way of thinking. And it's not my way. It's his way. And so every day we get up and we say, Holy Spirit, come on. Come and fill my thoughts. Come and fill my mind. Allow me to align myself with you. Open my, my eyes to where I've been off just a little bit. Heaven forbid we go to our colleague at work that's just a little bit dumber than we are and we get our advice from them. Don't do that. Stop it. Right? Don't take marriage advice from people who, who are currently divorced. Right? Like, don't do that. Come on. Let's be smarter than that. Let's get, our, let's get our advice and our wisdom and our alignment from heaven, which sounds, sounds super spiritual, I know. And you're like, well, you're a pastor and you have like a you know, an easy line into God talking to you. No, I don't. I'm a flawed human being. I get up every day and I'm like, all right, going to move that thought out of the way. And man, I feel like horrible. I'm getting older. I'm insecure. I don't feel spiritual. Okay, Lord, let's do something about that. Right? Holy Spirit, come on. I just ask that you'd renew my mind today. I thank you, Lord, that I'm accepted. Not because of what I did, not because of, of the, the things that I've done, my performance, but because of you, Jesus. And so I put on the mind of Christ. I renew this inner man. Raise me up on the inside, Lord. God, I pray that I would step into something today that would be of your mind and heart. And I move away and aside all the distractions. And I thank you that today I'm going to be aligned with heaven. Amen. I'll tell you what, church. If we did that, there would be a mighty wind flowing through this place. Mighty wind. This is really good preaching. <laughs> you know... Um, we, we learned when we were in Israel, and I had, I had known this, but I, had, I hadn't seen it as clear. When, when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River to possess the promised land, remember Joshua was leading the, the children of Israel. And when he chose to do that, there was 12 tribes. And all these tribes were going to get land, a lot of land. And it was going to become what is now Israel. So they're at the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is not that big. Like, we, we were just there. It's not that big. Now, nevertheless, a miracle that God parted it and they walked over. But there was two of the, ten, two of the 12 tribes that went, you know what? It's more comfortable over here. Like it's better over there because this is the desert. But it just seems like a lot of work to go to the promised land. And is God really saying that? Plus that tribe over there hurt our feelings. So we think maybe we're just going to stay over here. 
What do you think, Joshua? Well, guys, I think you're idiots, but it's your choice. You want to stay behind and settle for less than God has given you because it's easier or because you got your feathers ruffled or more importantly, because you just forgot how important it is to have a heavenly mindset and you just decided to have the group talk, the group think, and you all kind of came up with the best conclusion is to forfeit the promised land so we can stay in the desert. What? Do you know they did that? Do you know that two tribes stayed on this side of the Jordan River? And do you know what those tribes are now? Non-existent. They're the only tribes that disintegrated. They're no more. Over time, they just decided, nah, we're going to forfeit on the future of God for us. That's what's at stake. And so we get up every morning, we say, no, this is a fight. And I am not going to let the enemy rob me of my future by robbing me today of my perspective. I get my perspective from heaven, not from CNN, not from my colleagues at work, not from my inner internal frustrations. I get my perspective from heaven. And every day I wake up and I download that puppy and it's fueled me and it's filled with his goodness and his mercy and his acceptance and his forgiveness and his purpose for my life. And when we do that, we're unstoppable. Everyone presents, present was filled. Everyone present was filled. Everyone present was filled. This is the second thing. We went to the, uh, Israel, and, and one of my, the moments, everyone asked me what, what my moment was. Because I was there three years ago, and I saw a bunch of the stuff that I already saw. So when I went this time, I had a moment on the Sea of Galilee that I didn't have before. And it was unique. So we're on this boat, beautiful, and... Um, we're just kind of sailing. He's playing some Christian music, this gentleman, the boat owner. And then he stops the music and he begins to share his testimony. And this boat owner is Jewish and he shares about how years, a few years back he was guiding a tour on his boat and God spoke to him. God opened up his eyes and he got saved right there on his boat on the Sea of Galilee. Now, so for a Jewish guy who totally doesn't believe, right, that Jesus died and rose again, um, that's huge. So he's sharing about how he got saved, and then he began to sing in Jewish this worship song. He's praising the Lord into the mic, and we're all just like crying and going, oh my gosh, this is like an incredible moment on the Sea of Galilee, like picturing Jesus walking up to the boat on the water and Peter deciding to get out of the boat. All happened right there, and it was just kind of a holy moment. And in the middle of this holy moment, a ski boat drives by with an inner tube in the back because it's a holiday and they're getting ready to go jet skiing and ski boating on the Sea of Galilee. Because if you live there, that's what you do, I guess. And I was going like, what? We're like having this, like, out-of-body experience on this boat. Incredible. And here's some teenagers over here through an inner tube in the boat, and they're going out to the middle to go inner tubing. And I just thought, wow. So you can be in the same place, and you can hear and feel and sense all the same things, 
And one group can be totally transformed. And the other group, not affected. Isn't that amazing? They were all filled. And I thought they were all filled. They were all filled. I spent like an hour just thinking about it. They were all filled. Who's all? Not everybody was filled. There was hundreds of thousands of people in the city. They weren't all filled. Who was filled? The 120 in the room. So then I started thinking, who are these 120 people? We think it was this like amazing group of, they were nobodies. All we know is that there were some powerful disciples. There were some notable people like Lazarus and Mary and Martha and people that had been following Jesus. And then you know who the rest of them were? They were the people that Jesus was reaching. Well, I don't know, tax collectors, sinners, notable sinners, right? Prostitutes, people that the Pharisees are like, Jesus, you're not allowed to hang out with these people. It's, it's, it's wrong. You can't do it. That's who these people were. All the people that had been transformed and touched. Oh, Roman soldiers who nailed him to the cross. Yeah, they were in that room. Like all the people that had been powerfully touched by Jesus gathered and they were filled. Which tells me you don't have to be somebody. You don't have to be special. You just have to be willing to be there and go, all right, Lord, I'm in. You know, Christianity is so easy. I can sum it up. Show up. I mean, listen, the amount of people that, that go off the rails and struggle and, and, and lose kind of sight of church and their faith the amount of people that do that, that where it started with, they just stopped showing up, 100%. I don't know anybody that's like diving in and connecting and like all that. And then all of a sudden one day they just go, my life's a mess, I'm out. Just showing up. Okay, Lord, here I am again. I, I'm a mess again. <laughs> but today I ask that you'd fill me. Come on, church, one touch from him, one word. Like, it's not, it's not complicated. It's like the woman that was just seeking, God, if I would just touch your hem of your garment, I know I'll be changed. If I could just touch him. And Jesus is filled with crowds of people bumping up against him. And all of a sudden, this girl that's like, I just need to touch him. Because if I touch him, I'll be full. I'll be healed. I'll be whole. And all these people are bumping up against Jesus. And all of a sudden, she touches him. And Jesus goes, whoa, somebody touched me. Yeah. Somebody touched me. What do you mean, Jesus? We've all been touching you. We're slamming up against you. No, 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 no. Somebody showed up and they said, oh, I just need to be filled today. I just need more of Jesus today. Not because of who I am. I'm not special. Listen, I'm not special. I, I, just, I just know that being filled never gets old and it's always enough. Never gets old. It's always enough. We're not, we're not trying to reinvent something here as a church. We're not, this is not some new gospel. It's, it's strange, I know, because it's not religious, but, but it's not different. It's not new. 
It's just God is good. He wants to fill you, and it's always enough. So show up. Get off the ski boat. Get on the holy boat. Close your eyes for a moment and go, oh my gosh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I have been coming to church, but I forgot that this is, this is not a common thing you're doing. This is a supernatural thing. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, God, your presence is here. Wow. It's like being out on that Sea of Galilee and, just re- and remembering, oh my gosh, this isn't just a lake. This is a place where Jesus walked. Oh, Lord, come and fill me. Lastly, as I land the plane, the sound carries. The sound carries. So this mighty rushing wind, and these guys coming together, and they're just deciding to to align themselves with God. And then they said, God, fill me. These 120 random dudes, random people, random gals, God fills them. And then it says that that thousands of people in the community heard a sound, like there was something that was coming from this place. It was powerful. And I believe that that is true about Heart Church. I believe that there are people that have yet to darken the door of our church, and maybe they haven't darkened the door of a church in a very long time. And your simple obedience to show up, your simple willingness to say, okay, God, I, I ask that you'd fill me once again, that that's going to create a sound in the spiritual realm. And I don't think that you'll ever be able to understand how much and how many people that simple choice will affect. Because you never know when you're in a holy moment. You never know when, it, when a simple decision that seems strange and it seems maybe not significant, you never know when that simple choice becomes a ripple effect that goes across the water. And it continues on and on, even into the next generation. Can I tell you that's the primary reason why I do what I do? Primary reason why I lean in and give my all? Because I want the next generation to inherit a real faith. I want them to see it. I want them to feel it. I want my kids to love Jesus and love coming to church. So I just believe, I have a simple faith to believe that if I just simply show up and give my very best, give my heart to God, and allow him to fill me, that that does something. The results are up to him. We spend so much time worrying about the results. Results of our job and worrying about the future and worrying about our kids and worrying about all these things. And can I just tell you, Jesus made it really clear. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that are out of your control anyway. They take care of themselves. I want to end with a simple story. We're at Gen H at my house on Friday nights. And um, as you know, we not only have our kids, 
but we've been able to reach a few kids through outreach and things like that. And uh, there's a kid, I'm not going to say his name, uh, but there's a kid that has been a part of our church now for a couple of months. Uh, he came from one of the outreaches and he lives in the neighborhood. And um, he's, he's had a really, really r- tough go. And on Friday night, kids were at our house and this particular kid, um, he's always the last one to get picked up. Which in my flesh can be frustrating because it's sometimes like an hour after everyone's gone, everything's cleaned up, right? And he's st- still s- sitting in our living room eating Cheetos, you know. Um, so this was Friday night. And uh, so my wife and Caleb were at a football game. So it was just me and Haley and this, this young man, sixth grade. And he was in the living room with Haley and I was in the other room watching golf. I know, super spiritual. And, uh, and I started hearing him talk. And so I muted golf and he began to open up to Haley. And he began to share about his story. And I had known a little bit of the story, but I didn't know the whole thing. And I was like literally bawling watching golf um, as he shared about how um, just a couple years ago, out of the blue, his mom just left, left him there. And um, it took like a month for the police to finally figure out what happened. And, uh, and then he went into foster care and then his dad found him and then they lived on the street for a month. No food, no clothes. And, and then he says, he's just telling this to Haley and he kind of has this like upbeat vibe about it, even though he's sharing this heart-wrenching things. And he said, yeah, and, and, and so I try to joke about it so I don't cry. I was like, oh my gosh. And then he said, um, but I like being here. Because I feel loved here. And I was like, oh man, forgive me, Lord, for minimizing the little things. You never know when you're in a holy moment. All we can do is get up every day and say, I'm going to show up. God, I'm going to ask you to fill me because I need you to fill the gaps. I need you to renew my mind. I need you to not let the world affect the way I think because I want to believe that God, you're doing something and I get to be a part of it. And so Heart Church, that's the message for us today. God's doing something in our community and you're it. And the choices that you make, you may never see the results of them, but I promise you, they go farther than you think into the next generation. So Father God, today, we sit in a holy moment Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come and that you'd remind us of who you are and who you've called us to be. Lord, that you would silence the lies of the enemy and the fear and the doubt and then the insecurities, the shame and the regret that can so easily overshadow what you're doing. Help us not to minimize what you've done in our life. And God, we today, we respond to you. 
we say yes to what you're doing in and through our lives. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.